Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. I'm a single bisexual male in my 60s, divorced from a woman. I've had a close, intimate relationship with men and women. My challenge has been dating men who I meet on Hookup (laughs) App. I live in wine country of Northern California where there are more men on the Hookup App than I meet elsewhere. I've met mostly younger Latino men texting me. Invariably, when I text a guy I'm attracted to, I never hear back. However, most men in this app want to hook up immediately. I tell them I prefer to meet for coffee or a beer to see if we have chemistry. They invariably don't respond further. I've been in SAA for three years and have done the 12 steps. I'm mature, conscientious, successful fit. Any suggestions for meeting men I'm uh, compatible with? Yes, I do, but go ahead. I'm gonna go look at it. I have to go look. I know a great guy who lives in wine country and I wanna introduce you to (laughs) Sorry, I'm always kidding with you guys. Okay, so get off that app. By the way, I, that's what I'm, I'm, want, I'm looking I for. I got to remember the name of it. I don't want to do an I'm, advertisement, but Match.com has a gay men's section. Harmony, eHarmony yeah. has a gay men's but section. A, there they, are see, gay seniors for gay seniors. I mean, there are all kinds of sites that are deliberately non-sexual. I have a feeling you're on the wrong one. And I'll tell you, I don't know who's reaching out to you, but the younger men are reaching out to you of all races are looking for something that is not what you're looking for. They're thinking, here's a nice older guy. doesn't look too bad. And I'm going to, you know, he's 30 years older than me. And, you know, I'm going to get somebody who's going to take care of me. Or I've heard that happens. I don't know exactly. And that's not specific to Latino men. That's all young men sometimes. But, um, and they want to have, and by the way, they don't want to meet with you because you're not 20. You know, either they want your, they want status and they want something you have to give in that arena or they want um or they want you to be you know 27 so you know, younger men also lead with sexuality i mean we have a lot of testosterone so what i'm guessing you want as a 60 year old man is you want companionship and you want fun and you want company and you know you want to build a social life with someone and that you're not going to find any of that on that site and i know this is also really embarrassing and old school, but you can go find some things that you like to do, like a a gay hiking group or a choir or, you know, a bunch of gay men who are in a weekend, an arts workshop. It is okay to go out in the world. I say in choir for years, I can't say it was just to sing. I was sort of looking for more that didn't find it, but I had a great time in the process and I wasn't hanging out looking for the, uh, you know, the wrong people in the wrong places. So one of the things is go places where you enjoy and go where, go where you follow your own fun and that's where you're going to find people that you enjoy and the other is get onto sites where people are really looking to build relationship and connection and they don't leave with sexuality um so maybe you're just on the wrong app tell me what I, you i did i put in that remember you did a podcast with ken page and he had a dating app oh i remember that yes so I put a, I put in the chat um, both the um, he did um, for in the rooms Super Saturday Recovery Summit he did a video and exactly. he did a podcast with um, Dr. Rob on sex love and addiction so I put that in the chat 
but he has a dating app and like, I, I haven't been on it. I don't need it, but, but I was impressed with oh. what, you know, because it was about, you know, sober, helping people really um, refine what they're looking for, you know, so that you're, you know, so that you're putting the right message out of what you're really looking for. Like Dr. Rob says, you're looking for companionship, not just hookups, you know? So, um, so check those out and see if those are a fit. Those might be, you know, but I, I agree. I, whatever the status of someone is, I say, go do things that are interesting to you and you'll find people that are interested in things that are similar to you. And even if they're not the right fit, they may have a friend that's the right fit. So, so it just expands your circle, but you're doing things that are of interest to you in the, you know, in the meantime. So I, I want to add one more thing, which is I'd be curious what your profile said, because my profile would say, I'm looking to meet friends. I am not interested. If you're interested in sex or looking for an immediate hookup or I'm not going to respond to you, please don't write me. It's like the people who say, I'm not interested in drugs. I don't do drugs. Please don't write me. You know, you also have to put out there what you want. And I trust, trust me, if you say I'm not looking for sex, I won't have it right away. Nobody, nobody's not interested. <laughs> Those people will drop out right away. I'm not looking for a younger man to take care of. Those guys will drop out right away. So I, I think, oh, I love Tammy's word. It's about being intentional. What picture do you put up? You know, is it you in a swimsuit 12 years ago? <laughs> or, you know, is it you, you know, on your way to work or hanging out with friends? I mean, each piece of that, they get such a small little picture, literally small little picture of you. So, and by the way, you're in 12 step program. How great, wonderful. Go to your sponsor and say, hey, is this a good profile? Do you think this is healthy? Do you think, here's some places I'm going online to look. Do you have it? You know, put it out there. Um, you don't have to be alone with this. So. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else, Tammy? No, we should. Yeah. You, you've talked about having like a dating posse and I think that that's a really good idea too. having. So a sponsor, but you know, maybe a small group of people that can help you, you know, um, be intentional about that. So, okay. And let me Next. just say what a date mm -hmm. is. A date is two people who don't know each other at all or very well going out to a brightly lit, ugly coffee shop and having coffee for an hour. And then maybe a, a few days later, if they had a good coffee date, they might go for a walk. That's what dates are. For sex addicts, we sometimes confuse them with something much more intense. Um, so, Tammy, let's... Oh, the next one's it. complicated. PA spouse found healing from a 12-step type program. Two discoveries since then, but he's no longer an addict. It's been, it's a miracle. He left therapy, not CSAT, and now wants me to find him a therapist, not a CSAT. Um, also wants to know goal of couples therapy. He is too overwhelmed to take anything else on. No further recovery. Am I correct in not finding him his own therapist? I, am I correct in not finding him his own therapist? So, yeah. Well, let me just, I'll say this. Tammy, I do consultations. And that means I sit with couples for two hours and we go over everything that's gone on in the recovery and I give them some direction about next steps that they might take or, or work that they might do going forward. And one of the things that I ask when I'm doing these consultations and I'm sitting there, let's say it's a wife and a husband, and you know, he will say, I'm really into, he's the addict, I'm really working on this, I'm really into recovery, I really want to, I've been listening to all your uh, podcasts and watch your videos and I'm really inspired. And, and then I say, well, who made this appointment? She did. Who showed the podcast to you? Well, she did. Well, who got the books for you to read? Well, she did. Okay. And who, you know, so when you get into the process, it's really not, 
if he is looking for you to find pieces of his recovery, then he's not doing it right. The whole point is for us to ask for help. And by the way, it, just a little attic thinking, if I were asking you to find me a therapist, I would do that because then I would be sure that you would know I was seeing a therapist um, because, you know, then I can say, well, I'm going to therapy just like you asked me to, or if it doesn't go well, I guess who's going to get blamed? Well, you picked that therapist for me. So I think this is a game I would not want to be a part of. And I often say to people, go to a meeting and say, you know, I'd like to find this kind of therapist and anybody who's seen one. And they get a few names and numbers with people who work with sex addicts, or you call Tammy and not you. He reaches out to Tammy and says, I would like another professional, but this is not your job. It is not your job at all. Go ahead, Tammy. Well, there's so much wrong with this. He, he he's not <laughs> going to go to a meeting because he's already cured. Because he he's you know well, he's no part. longer he's no longer an addict. But I don't want to go to a therapist who might ch- change my mind about that. So so I want I want you to find a therapist, but it needs to be very specific, but really not about the issues that I've got. So um, so I I here's the suggestion: How can I help you find a pro-dependent aligned betrayal? Uh, uh, support partner or therapist for you like i would be happy to help you we've got on uh seeking integrity we've got um a betrayed partner work group that will start again in october we've got all kinds of betrayed partner supports i would encourage you to set healthy boundaries for you um uh you know about and we've done debbie mccray has done some i keep mentioning her i love her stuff i take so many notes but you know she talks about how do you establish healthy boundaries what do you need you know all of those things and languaging if you're unable to step into this then i'm going to need to step away until you do that so so there's a bunch of support for you but um this sounds like somebody who is in massive denial um about the problem and the hurt that it's caused you because you've had two discoveries since he you know got cured so okay the next one what is the seemingly complete lack Oh, what is with the seemingly lack of empathy or even basic human kindness? I've been buying his cigarettes and bringing him food at work and going to buy his daughter's new cell phone for her because he was supposedly broke, yet he has money to purchase subscriptions for sex workers on whatever. And he is uh, supposed to pick up his daughter and be back in time. So so this person is doing all kinds of things for this person. Um uh, for the last four years, we've been doing this he lies and promises he'll change. That's, yeah, but you're doing everything for him. Why would he need to change? Um, uh, I have been through the betrayed partners level one and two. I can't afford to move out. Oh, okay. Well, Tam, because you speak to spouses all the time, I would really recommend you start with this. This is stop buying him cigarettes. Stop, you know, stop, you know, like. First of all, let, I'm going to do this little public service announcement. Dr. David talks about the what you know our our treatment program is a non-smoke, non-vape. What it does to someone's brain and how it keeps the dopamine going is is highly problematic. But I don't hear somebody who is in you know any kind of recovery or trying at all to do it. He's you know he's got you doing everything for him, paying for everything. And he can give lip service to, oh yeah, I'm going to stop that, you know. Um, so if you create a healthy boundary for you of like, I'm not going to, you know, provide this, you know, uh, his daughter. I don't know how old she is, but if she's got a cell phone, she, or 
the mom can help with that. What do you need to do to take care of you? You know, he, he doesn't need to be your problem. You, you, you have enough to take care of you. So, so that, that's what I really, you know, you, you've learned, you've been through the, the, um, the, you've got resources, you've got support. Um, it will be hard because I hear that you want to take care of things and you want to help. But um, at some point that isn't helping him. It's letting him continue to, to use you, you know, um, as a, as a credit card, you know, so. Well, this is honestly one of those situations that I think about someone who should be in treatment um, because the degree of manipulation, degree to which you're being taken advantage of. Um, oh, by the way, the person who found recovery and doesn't need to get what they also might consider going to treatment because, you know, I, I, you know, I, I could sell you a bridge going over the East River, but you wouldn't get it. Um, listen, I, I love the people I love, but I, I, so here's my criteria for relationship. You can hurt me. You can let me down. You can disappoint me. You can do the wrong thing that makes me crazy. All I require is that you come back and you say, I'm sorry, I did this thing to hurt you. And I didn't mean it. If you don't do that, then your relationship is one-sided. So here for someone saying, I promise I'll change. And I really want to change. And I feel so bad about myself that I cry on your shoulder. And I'm going through this course, by the way, one of the things that are not good about our courses is I have uh, someone come back and say, oh, honey, I went through that sex addiction 101 course. Now I've learned everything I need to learn. No, it's not an excuse for living the right kind of life. It's just direction. What we do in patient or online or whatever is we put you on a path. Here's the path, but you have to decide whether you want to go down it or not. So just taking a course, which half the time I think some of these guys do to convince you that they're doing something rather than I'm ready to go. And that's why they don't get where they need to get. But I have to say, this would be unacceptable to me. I, I don't care how much you love someone. When do you put yourself first? You know, watching porn daily, uh, hidden things, secret phones, spending money you guys don't have. I, I understand that you can't afford to move out, but can he live in another part of the house? You know, can you establish, I certainly hope you're not having sex. You know, I heard, certainly hope, you're not supporting, you know, having good times and going out to dinners. And this is someone who no longer has earned your attention or your love or your focus. And it's really hard when you live somebody that is hurting you. But if you can't move on, you need to build a life that you need to build while you're still living with them. And by the way, could he go live with his sister or could he go live with a friend from work? I mean, just because someone can't afford to move out doesn't mean a lot of people that were finished with in treatment, they're just, they're not invited to come home. They can't go home and they find somebody else who's important that they could stay with. And I wonder why this person has been allowed to continue hurting you um, when there are probably other situations that one of you could put yourself in and be not there. And by the way, us saying spouses now, I'm going to go live with my, you know, best friend for a month. Boy, watching out at wake up when we decide, when they just hear that we're not going to be there. So anyway, Tammy, this is another painful, not going to be there and not difficult. support it financially too. Right. I mean, like, well, like that. you deserve to have your money. I mean, you, you know, you clearly are working hard and, you know, like what could, what could you do with the money that would be a better use for you, you know, and be supportive for you than for him to further away. And, you know, I mean, 
him choosing to watch porn every day, him choosing not to be financially transparent, him choose, I mean, like there's, there's so much that he's absolutely not stepping into any kind of recovery, you know, but crying on your shoulder. So I was talking to somebody earlier today and there was a real, it was a, it was a letter that was like, Oh, I love you so much. And all this, you know, from an addict. Um, and I was like, wow, that sounds like a lot of syrup. You know, it's like, I'm just going to pour a whole <laughs> bunch of syrup on this and it's going to sound so sweet, you know, and, and you know, that, you know, that partners go, Oh, you know, he really does care. He really is. Look, he says he loves me, but his actions are still doing all of this stuff that's secret and hurtful to you and, you know, to the betterment of your relationship and your, you know, your lifestyle. So, um, so I'm terribly sorry. I urge you to pull your information back out for the betrayed partners level one and two, read it, set healthy boundaries and get support to hold them for you. I would also, and I know that you said you can't afford to move out, and this is probably also something that's not affordable. But I have to say this in general for someone asked me this question. I think you need a lawyer. Um, I think you need to know what your rights are financially and emotionally. This is somebody who's not just, you know, uh, struggling with their acting out. They are deliberately, deliberately hiding things from you, keeping secrets, lying to you all over the place, asking you to rescue and take care of them. And you do because you love them. And then you get stomped on. Um, there's a certain point where, I mean, if I would, if I said I couldn't afford it, I would feel a little bit like a victim. Like I'm really stuck in this situation. There's nothing I can do. I am sure that there's something that you can do to take care of yourself. There's someone, by the way, ladies in your 12-step support groups and in your online groups, there are people who will call you day and night. If you live in the same city, I have heard both in the addiction community and in the spouse's community, come on and stay with me for a week. You know, if you're struggling with addiction, if you can't be there anymore, I mean, it's really good for you to get away from us because then we have nothing to be upset about but our own unhappiness. Um, anyway, lawyers are useful or the threat of one. I think yeah. Very useful. What is the benefit looking at childhood trauma for an addict? It feels selfish to be focusing on that when there are ones who have been inflicted trauma on someone else or when we are the ones that have inflicted trauma on someone else. My therapist seems to think that my relationship recovery is being stalled by not addressing this. I've been sober from sexual acting out, but still fail with empathy and honesty, but I'm finding it hard to understand how EMDR will help this. Well, There's these a are a there. bunch of different <laughs> yeah. questions. So yeah. Let me answer the first one, um, which is about what is the purpose of looking at trauma? Um, I absolutely agree that if your focus is what happened to me and why do I act out? You know, like what happened to me in the past? I really want to understand it. And how does that relate to my acting out? It's great information, but it won't help you stay sober. So working on the recovery, that comes first. What I find, though, is a lot of us, and I'm included in that, when I start to look at my acting out in a clear way, and I start to see how I've hurt other people and how I've hurt myself and how compulsive and crazy I have been, we, also move, we often move directly to shame. I hate myself. I'm a terrible person. I'm malicious. I'm mean. I'm a sociopath. That's where shame often brings us, is tremendous amount of self-hatred. And one of the reasons that in treatment, and one of the reasons to seeking integrity that we introduce and discuss early trauma is it helps us understand that we're not bad people. You know, I am not a bad person. Some really crappy things happen to me. There are a lot of lessons that other people learned about relationships and intimacy that I never learned because my mom was in hospitals and my dad wasn't there and nobody taught me. 
compassion because no one showed me compassion. Nobody taught empathy because they didn't show me empathy. And I'm talking about when I was four. So for me to go back and say, wow, um, things happen to me. And there's a reason why I am like this. And I wonder um, what I can do for my own healing other than focus on recovery. Um, Tammy will often say that the acting out is, is the, um, the iceberg, but the, the part of it you see above the water. But the trauma is the part underneath. It, looking at it is not self-indulgent because it's kind of the engine or the energy that drives the addiction and makes it harder to heal. So does the self-hatred and the shame. Um, I do think that relationship recovery can be stalled absolutely by, by, fear of the, by fear of things that happened in the past, and I'm still feeling those things in the present. So now the, the, uh, another question is I've been failing with empathy and honesty. That doesn't necessarily have to do a lot with these other issues. It may be, in my experience, a lot of the men I work with need to learn how to be empathic and how to be honest. And that's, again, why we teach um, out of the doghouse. But there's one more thing I wanted to say about this. Give me just a second. Um, oh, I know. So I'll say this to every addict here. I think it is absolutely the truth. And maybe this will help you. Um, I can't say your name. Maybe this will help you. Once we really get to look, two things. Number one, I know that every addict in our my arena, the way I felt as a kid is how I make my spouse feel. If I grew up without empathy, without compassion, uh, being an object, having to do things for other people that were supposed to take care of me, you know, the way I felt about that, which is um, unseen, unheard, having to take difficult things on all by myself, you know, and the, the weight and the stress of that, that's exactly what we do to our spouses. They feel unheard, unseen, we put all this weight on them. So one of the ways to look at, one of the reasons to look at trauma is because I am acting out that trauma. I am acting it out with someone that I love. It isn't just, and you all know this, it isn't just the sex that that is our acting out. We are mean, we are controlling, we are demanding, we are, you know, all those kinds of things. And that's all more trauma related than it is just being an addict. Um, something else I was gonna, uh, yeah. I'll, and I just, yeah, I said that one more thing, self-compassion. That's what I really wanna say. I have much more compassion for myself when I realized that I just, that I, as I said to one of my clients recently, I never had a chance. There was no way in the arena that I grew up in where I was ever going to be healthy and thriving unless I did a lot of work on myself. Some people pop out and they're just doing great, but they didn't have this stuff happen when it happened to me. And I have to be compassionate with myself um, uh, rather than uh, saying there's something wrong with me or why don't I listen? Well, I learned to not listen when I was a kid and that's how I protected myself. Um, so Tammy, the EMDR, I mean, anywhere you want. Yeah, to I mean, it. I think all of those are, but but this is a lifelong journey. And so, you know, and I shared this on a webinar the other day, but, you know, like some of the, I've had insights, you know, uh, and more layers of understanding the whys and, you know, uh, I, even in the last few years, you know, even in the last, you know, five to eight years, and that's okay. It's, you know, I'm going to continue to learn and, and, uh, you know, grow with that. So, so, you know, can, can there be some sticking points? Sure. Could it be really helpful to do some work like the EMDR or somatic experience or whatever on some specific things? Yes, but it isn't going to fix it. I, I did what Dr. Rob said about like, I use maladaptive coping mechanisms because we had things in our lives that prevented us from being able to be secure kids. I mean, people that get what they need when they're kids 
don't struggle with the stuff that we do. Everybody who comes to treatment, I think every addict that I know, and I know bunches of them, you know, has some of those underlying issues, you know, the iceberg thing. And that's okay. Understanding them, great. Necessary, maybe not so much. Knowing that they're there and that there's different ways of coping, you know, is is super helpful. So it's a journey. I love the self-compassion message. It's like I'm doing the best I can today. More will be revealed. You know, Dr. Rob has talked in previous webinars too about like pacing. You know, sometimes people are going and you need to work on all this drama now. Well, it's just too much, you know, and 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 so you know, letting it unfold, being intentional, but but letting all of that, you know, unfold. Um, but you know, we went from about zero. I often use the, we went from kindergarten and, you know, and we expect ourselves to be able to write a college dissertation, you know, on these topics. It's a process. You got to go through all the different levels. So giving yourself some grace and just knowing more will be revealed. And you know, one day at a time, we learn and grow. Yeah, I just, you know, I always take notes and I know it's time to go, but I want to throw a couple of really quick things out about trauma. My saddest story about this is that I work with kids who I worked a long time ago with children who were being hit by their parents. And I used to see those kids and they would say, oh, I fell down the stairs or, you know, I didn't really, nothing really bad happened. But I would say to myself, how could someone, and I would know like a little bit about the parents' history and they had been beaten and they were beating their kids. And I would say, how could someone who was hit, hit their own children? And the answer is because they thought they deserved, like I was a bad kid. My dad put me in line and they don't have the empathy and the compassion for what they went through. And so why would they have the empathy and the compassion for what they are putting their kids through? You have to have some compassion for yourself and what you went through in order to be compassionate for your spouse and your partner and the people that you love. By the way, two more things real quick. If EMDR doesn't work for you, you should tell your therapist. You know, I'd like to keep talking. I'd like to keep doing another. I don't, I don't think I, this isn't helping me. You guys got to tell us if something doesn't work for you, don't feel comfortable. That's how you build a relationship with us. And if we don't feel good about it, we say, well, you have to do that. And then we're not a good therapist. Okay. We have to listen to you. And finally, I just wanted to say something about parents, which is sometimes when we're asking people to look at the past, they say, well, I love my folks and they did the best they could. And, you know, God bless them. They got us to this place and all of that stuff. And I agree with you. I do not, do not, do not think that this work, looking at the past, is about parent bashing. That is not the point. I don't ever get to blame someone else for my own behavior. I am responsible. However, what I can say is they absolutely love me and they did whatever they were going to do. This is what they could do. It just wasn't, it just wasn't what I needed. And so if you can see them putting out 100%, but you were going in this direction and they were going in that direction, then... They, then you don't have to bash them. You can simply say, I needed certain things and I, I, they weren't able to give it or they didn't know how to give it or I just didn't get it. And, and they did it. They, they, I loved my parents, adored them uh, later after I'd worked through some of the pain that we had been through and I got to a more neutral place. And I was able to say, I love you as an adult son and the past is in the past. But first I had to be angry at them. First, I had to be sad. First, I had to separate and spend time away from them. And that was the benefit of working through the trauma so I could get to a more functional place. Anyway, Tammy, happy holiday. Well, I just want to add because yes, and, and I often, the, my compassionate part, you know, for other people is I, I recognize, you know, like I, I know generational stuff and, you know, my grandparents didn't have therapy. My parents, I mean, right. like the circumstances, they were doing the best they could 
in a broken situation and you know they, they everybody really tried i i don't think anybody was you know trying to be evil or hurtful it was just they just didn't have the tools to use so now i have the opportunity because i've done a lot of therapy i was you know like yeah i did a lot of therapy i had to do the anger thing i hated that you know but like no i can't be angry they you know like i had to you know get in touch with some of that stuff hugely beneficial but really needed the support of a qualified professional, you know, to work through all of that. But, you know, as far as the EMDR, that's just one methodology and you don't have to understand mm -hmm. why it works. It, there's research on why it does and it, and it doesn't work for everybody, but there are other modalities. And I mentioned somatic experience, brain. I mean, there's all kinds of different things that, that can be tried. And if your therapist doesn't do one modality, they can refer you to another person who can do that and do some sessions with you. And then you come back. I mean, there's so many different ways to approach this. And it's a combination. I really find, you know, group and individual and talk. I mean, it's all, you know, whatever's working. And if it works up to a point and now you need to do something else, all good. So all good. It's a journey. So... Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.